0: Hello and welcome to Just a Thought Podcast, episode 49. I'm Corey Tinkum. Thanks so much for joining me. Is it really possible for spirits, entities, or demons to actually possess our bodies? That's today's topic, possession. We've all heard of it. We've all seen it in movies, of course. But what is it really and what could it be? like so many other things is it all in the mind or an actual spiritual phenomena today's topic is possession Hello again, and thanks so much for joining me, and hello again, again, after a three-week pause. Man, I really apologize. I feel really guilty. It's been kind of crazy again, but I have figured out a way to reschedule my research and my recording, and it's going to make a difference. I will be able to get back to um, an episode a week. And I will be able to bank episodes in case something happens with my schedule. I will have uh, some content that I can still release. So it's it's a good plan. I like it. I have actually a lot of plans for the podcast, which I will discuss at the end of this episode. Uh, so yeah, that said, the only difference that you will see on your end is that I will be publishing or posting the episodes on Fridays instead of Thursday. And that's it. it. It seems insignificant, but it actually works out with my schedule a lot better if I do it that way. So that's the only major change that you will see, and it should it should improve. And there, and going again, going back to the weekly episodes. I would also like to take a minute to just a big, big thank you to the listeners that have emailed me and left reviews. It is amazing. Thank you so much. There's not too many reviews. It's a very small podcast. I'm going to try and grow it. I'm still toying with the idea of social media, uh, you know, like Facebook, Uh, but (laughs) we'll see how it goes. I, I kind of like this word of mouth, you know, tell someone who you think might like the podcast. Tell them about it. And, you know, hopefully they'll give it a listen and, and leave a review. The emails I have gotten have been great, uh, great suggestions. In fact, today's topic is a listener suggestion, Possession. And I, I neglected to get permission to use her name, but if you are listening, thank you so much. It is a very interesting topic today, Possession, because it involves so many, many, many things, which we will get into the psychological side of things when it comes to religious belief again this the belief keeps coming up in every topic. I, I'm finding it very fascinating uh, and, and and of course the spiritual side of it, if it is an, indeed an actual phenomenon, then wow, it's pretty creepy stuff. This was scary to research there it's pretty terrifying. And, and again, like I said in the beginning, in the intro, that you know we've seen this in movies, and many movies are based off of real events that have occurred, or are said to have occurred. Now, we all know Hollywood embellishes and changes and exaggerates things, but even still, when you boil it down to the root, to the, to the story these movies are based on, there are a couple, it's terrifying. Because if indeed this is a real thing, and, I mean, it's a real event, there's something occurring in, in, with these people that are, that are said to be possessed. Um, something's happening, psychologically or spiritually, but it, it is happening. And it's, it's pretty, it's, it's creepy, terrifying stuff, and we'll get into to a lot of that. And so, where to start? Well, an appropriate place to begin would be the definition of possession itself, and if we go back to good old Merriam-Webster, we have the definition of possession is there. There are several, obviously, uh, the act of having or taking into control. So that that definitely comes into play. Um, control or occupancy of property without regard to ownership. So that's a different kind of possession that we're talking about. Now, if you search, if you search definition of demonic possession, the freedictionary.com, demonic possession, possession by a demon, sometimes resulting in strange behavior, such as the vomiting of strange objects. And that's it. (laughs) So... You can look on different various uh, religious organizations' websites and they will have various definitions of demonic possession and it's pretty much self-explanatory. The the idea of possession is when an evil entity, whether it's a demon or an evil spirit, what have you, depending on uh, which religion is defining it, it boils down to an evil force, demon, entity, what have you, is taking over your body, possessing your body. Now, this is not, and it's made very clear um, in Catholicism, Christianity, and other religions, that it's not possessing your soul. Apparently, these entities that are possessing people don't have the ability to take over your soul. However, they can take over your body and and sort of, in a way, become a second personality. The real you is is pushed aside, and in the background of your mind, and this entity, demon, spirit, whatever it is, is using your body to communicate and interact with the world around us. So that's possession in a nutshell. I, I think we all kind of understand what it is. So I got to thinking... What is it really? Is it truly demonic spiritual possession, as we understand that to be? Or is there something happening in the brain psychologically through the power of belief? Or is there something happening involving mental illness? Or is there maybe even some neurological disorder that is causing these events to occur and people to behave in a certain way that we have defined over time, centuries and centuries, as demonic possession. And it's a very, very important question because there are many kinds of mental illnesses that will cause someone to display symptoms of demonic possession according to... Various religions. What we know about mental illness today is vastly different than what we did a hundred years ago, five hundred years ago, a thousand years ago. So we're not so quick to jump to an explanation like demonic possession. In fact, the Catholic Church has training for priests that are to be To become exorcists, and one of the the big parts of training is how to recognize mental illness from actual possession. So the Catholic Church is actually recognizing that, yes, there are obviously certain mental illnesses that could be mistaken, and probably have been mistaken in the past, for possession. Uh, And it's interesting, I found uh, www.catholic.org, has this great article, I'll put it in my episode notes, uh, about how to distinguish between the two and what, what, how it's taught in, in the Catholic Church. The article was written several years ago, 2016 to be exact. Uh, there is a priest by the name of Father Cipriano de Mayo, and he's been an exorcist since 1952. And he says the key to telling the difference is through a discernment in prayer uh, on the part of the exorcist and the possessed, meaning that he will sit down with someone who may be possessed and just begin to pray and watch the person's reaction, essentially, is how it's done. Now, this could take a long time, and it's purposeful, and it's genuine prayer, and... There's a chance if if the person who is potentially possessed reacts to the exorcist in a violent way sometimes, or a very standoffish way, and it starts out subtly at first, and this is why he says sometimes it takes a long time. You sit down, you begin to pray, and you pray, and you pray, and you're trying to this is going to sound crazy, you're trying to break this demon down. So if someone is genuinely possessed by a demon, you're trying to break it down and test its patience. And eventually, you will be able to discern whether this person just has a mental illness or is actually possessed. And I'm I'm, I'm simplifying it. it. There's a process. But that's essentially the long and short of it. And it's pretty interesting, and I think it's really fascinating, and I think it's great that they are taking mental illness into consideration. But Father DeMeo describes the process and how he recognizes the difference. And he explains that through this prolonged prayer, that eventually you will get a reaction one way or the other. And for example, he says that he, the reaction to what he refers to as an adversary, being the demon that is possessing the person in question, he says, quote, There's no lack of frightening facial expressions, threatening words or gestures, and other things, but especially blasphemies against God and Our Lady. End quote. And so what he's referring to is he's not saying that someone someone's just getting a little agitated because maybe the prayer is is a little long, and they're just getting antsy or whatever. There's an obvious switch in the person who is actually possessed versus someone that just has some mental illness that they need need help with. Father Dimeo goes on to explain that th- this training is very important because psychological illnesses occur far more than possession. However, he claims and says that it's It's really important to know the difference uh, because if it is occurring, if possession is actually taking place, you have to be able to identify it to exercise it. You can't just take someone who is literally possessed by a demon and send them to counseling or give them medication. It's just simply not going to work. And I find it pretty interesting. So typically, and even in my research, I found that possession and exorcisms is pretty much a Catholic thing. It happens in other religions, but it's a little different. Which, if you think about it, some, sometimes the explanation is, well, demons will approach different people in different ways. And that may be, but when it comes to possession and exorcisms, by and large it really seems like it's a burden to bear for Catholicism compared to other religions and you know it we've all seen the Exorcist and the there's a couple other movies we'll talk about a little, a little later that are are along the same lines and it's you know the, the the priest comes to the house and you know it's the whole thing and it's kind of true it may be cliche it may be a stereotype but it seems like the catholic faith it's kind of a a big part of it i mean they train priests father demeo trains priests to be exorcists and how to recognize actual possession from mental illness whereas i didn't read anything about you know a baptist minister teaching its congregation how to, re- you know, it just, it, it pales in comparison. Possession happens, um, in other religions for sure, but the Catholics kind of have, uh, a monopoly on demonic possession, not to make a joke of it, but it just, it, it seems to be a, a Catholic-centric thing, and that, that may have a lot to do with media and movies and just our perception of it, um, it's really a fascinating thing because I think a lot of it comes down to belief and we'll we'll tackle that towards the end of the podcast. Uh, but the, the mental illness side of it I think plays a huge, huge part because before we were able to identify certain disorders, um, they were just written off as possession or you know, someone's just crazy and they were, admitted to an asylum somewhere or given exorcist or exorcism after exorcism to no avail. And, you know, they were just lost to, to the world and given up on. And it's very sad. But now that we know of various conditions that mimic actual possession, we can now differentiate between the two according to Father DeMeo. I mean, there was a day when someone who was epileptic was considered possessed, and you're not going to fix that with an exorcism. Not going to happen. But now that we have the ability to identify these conditions and eliminate them, if, if this person doesn't have any mental illness that we can discern, Any neurological condition, perhaps considering their reaction to the prayer, etc., maybe they are actually possessed. But the mental illness side of it, I think, plays a huge role because mental illness can also mean play into your belief of things and how you perceive things and how you behave. And all of it gets so muddled up together, it's hard to untangle. For example, If you have someone that has multiple personality disorder, then that could be construed as possession, especially if one of their personalities is violent and speaks with a different voice. And that's a thing that occurs quite often. And disassociative personality disorder, which is similar, but could could be misconstrued as possession. And I couldn't find a list of criteria that, for example, Father DeMeo uses. uh, But it begged the question that there are, are many mental disorders that could be mistaken, even with training, as possession. Now, the question becomes, at what point can... The church, whether it's the Catholic church or any church, religious bodies, pair with psychologists and scientists together to take a more thorough look and examination of each and every case. Because Father DeMeo, as genuinely loving and sound as his intentions may be, I don't know that he's a trained psychologist. I don't know what his belief on the scientific method is. I don't know much more about him except that he's a, you know, a Catholic priest. and, I, and So I think if we're serious about uh, distinguishing mental illness from possession, you're going to need all the experts in all the fields. And that's important. And because if this is a real thing, and I'll touch on my personal beliefs later, but if this is, if demonic possession is real, then it's a very, very important to make sure that we know that person isn't mentally ill. And it's just started to rain. <laughs> you might be able to hear that. I'm recording in a garage. So if it gets too heavy, I'm going to have to stop. Um, but we'll, we'll continue on. Uh, so having, having the medical community involved, I think is important. And there's a really interesting example of this, perhaps there's a man by the name of Dr. Richard Gallagher, and he's an Ivy League educated board certified psychologist. I'm sorry, psychiatrist who teaches at Columbia University and New York Medical College. And he found himself becoming involved in exorcisms. And it's a pretty fascinating story. Okay, sorry for that cut there. I had to go back and edit because the rain, it poured down for about 30 seconds, but I couldn't even hear myself, so it would have been bad. Had to cut that out. So where we left off, Dr. Richard Gallagher gets involved in exorcisms. How does he get involved? Well, the article that I read and I will link to in my episode notes doesn't go into much detail except that it claims that Dr. Richard Gallagher met a middle-aged woman who was a self-proclaimed Satanist involved in a a Satanic cult, and the whole stereotypical idea of that, she apparently wore black all the time, long flowing robes, lots of dark eyeliner and eyeshadow, pretty much what you picture in the Western culture as someone who is goth or perhaps a Satanist, if you will. <laughs> but she was self-proclaimed, and, that, and he met this woman, and that's where his story begins. So the only detail in the article is that this woman becomes distraught with her involvement in the cult, and she claimed that she was the queen of the cult. However, she felt she was being attacked by a demon, and so she reached out to a priest, for some assistance and help. And they spoke, and this particular priest referred her to Dr. Gallagher for a psychological evaluation. And again, there's not too many details as to why Dr. Gallagher refers her back to the priests for prayer and exorcism. Um, Perhaps he felt that it would be psychologically beneficial for her if she believed in all these things and went through a process of exorcism that it might relieve her of her um, concerns about her situation of being attacked by a demon. So this occurs. She goes back to priests for an exorcism and Dr. Gallagher attends the session. It is claimed that objects flew off the walls around her and off shelves. She spoke in deep demonic voices that were not hers. Voices that were seemingly, would seem to be incapable of her to make. She also knew details about Dr. Gallagher's life. For example, she knew that his mother had passed away from ovarian cancer She knew small details, like his two cats were fighting the night before the session. And there seemed to be multiple voices, different voices, three different masculine, guttural, demonic voices. And one began to speak in fluent Latin. And I hinted at this in my episode about foreign accent syndrome. And there's a condition called foreign language syndrome, which has been documented to have occurred. And I said in the episode that I was going to be talking about something where a person speaks a different language, but it's not what you think. And this is it. It, Latin apparently comes into play quite often. People who are possessed will break into Latin, uh, which makes sense, but... Again, how does someone know? Fluent Latin. And also speaking in a voice, apparently, according to stories I've read, is not a voice that this person should be able to make. It's as if a different person is speaking. And, of course, the personality is completely different. And I think these characteristics when it comes to voices, for example, is very important because there's a, there's another ability that seems to be consistent with possession. And that is uh, superhuman strength. People that are emaciated and or, or s- small in stature, petite people uh, possess this Amazing ability of strength. And Dr. Gallagher talks about this. He, he says, quote, There was one woman who was like 90 pounds soaking wet. She threw a Lutheran deacon who was about 200 pounds across the room. That's not psychiatry. That's beyond psychiatry. End quote. So what is that? find that fascinating because there are other cases where maybe you've heard of these or read of of similar incidences where, for example, a mother and her child are in a car accident and the child is pinned underneath the car and she will pick up the car to allow someone to go in and rescue the child. This has happened. Um, I find that interesting because it's often attributed to the strength of angels. It's the same thing, only the other way around. However, the person is still committing the act of superhuman strength, but it's for the good. So maybe maybe that is the case. Maybe that is the opposite end of the spectrum. The yin to the yang, you have to have it, maybe so. However, it does occur. And then the question becomes, in my mind, every time I read something like this, I think, is it in the brain? Are we just capable, more capable of things that we just don't know? Based on our belief, if we believe something strong enough or want something strong enough, think about your child being pinned under, underneath a vehicle after an accident. You would be so, if you have kids, you'll understand. You would be so, I don't know, just filled with adrenaline and vehemence to fix the situation and save your child that maybe it's possible? I don't know, but I find it fascinating because it's occurred. On both sides, whether it's possession or another example of of, of a car accident with, uh, you know, a a mother and a child. I think it's fascinating. So I suppose my point is, is that if, if someone believes that they're the queen of a satanic cult and they believe that they're being attacked by a demon and they go to a priest and the priest sends them to Dr. Gallagher and Dr. Gallagher says, well, I think because you believe this so much, it might benefit you to go back to the priest and we'll have an exorcism. Maybe, maybe, due to some sort of mental illness or whatever the case is, she believed it. And so the exorcism worked. And these demons in her mind that she believed in came out. And she was able to possess this superhuman strength. Now, that begs the question, how are objects thrown off shelves and moved? Well, that's telekinesis. I did an episode on telekinesis, and I believe that perhaps it's possible. We don't know why. There are plenty, plenty of cases of telekinesis, a lot of times poltergeist cases, for example, occur around teenagers. There's something about their energy and their brain. It could be 100% a brain thing, something we don't understand. I don't know. But there's these consistencies that, that come into play. And I find it interesting that this power of belief keeps coming up in every topic. And I'm not going to stray. I'm going to really try not to stray. But it really seems to play a part because it it's in everything. You can have someone that, that believes they're going to be successful or like genuinely believes they're going to be successful. Not because they read a self help book, but they just, in their minds, they know it. So they believe it. And I think that it works the same way with, um, religion and psychology. It, I think it I really think it plays into everything. And I don't know how. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not, These are just my thoughts. Name of the podcast is just just a thought, literally. But I find it fascinating. And you know, Dr. Gallagher has taken a lot of heat for his he believes Dr. Gallagher believes in possession. He believes it's a real thing. He's kind of the go-to guy for many priests during exorcisms. And I, and that's why I brought it up earlier, of this melding of psychology and religion. I think it's important. Because here's a man who knows psychology, he knows mental illness, and he's a believer in possession, because he has seen some pretty incredible things. And again, he's taken a lot of heat saying, oh, you're just... Mr. Gallag- Dr. Gallagher has just been a victim to parlor tricks certainly possible but it hasn't been just one case two cases, there's been many there's a reason he believes what he believes and I find that fascinating and very interesting now, we've been talking about demonic possession but in the world of spirituality, there is is more than just demonic possession. When you hear the word possession, you think of demonic possession, the exorcist movie, or the book, if you read it first. So, there, the idea of possession comes into play with many, many other aspects of spirituality. And as I was reading about possession, of course I started out with demonic possession. Because that's what we all think of. But if you listen to other episodes of this podcast or any sort of paranormal or anything in this very saturated genre, there's possession happening in many, many other aspects of spirituality. Think of mediumship. Think of mediums. Mediumship. And that's you know, that's when a medium is able to summon a spirit into them and they speak in a different voice and they talk a different way and they have details about your life. And half the time, I believe it's cold reading. Actually, probably 95% of the time it's cold reading and it is a parlor trick. I don't know that I buy into mediums. I don't think that I do. I've just seen too many charlatans and you can recognize them very easily however there have been several a couple cases and i said i wasn't going to stray but now i've strayed (laughs) i try to keep it conversational so i'm going on and on i don't have anything to link to or cite but there there are plenty of mediums out there that will summon your loved one who passed away six months ago and you're very grief stricken And you can go into their parlor or whatever for their little parlor trick. And they will say, oh, I see someone behind you. You know know the drill. You know how it works. But if you're grieving, people, when they they want closure, they want to know everything is okay. And you have these people that will just, they're vultures. They come in. And they hone in on that. And the interesting thing is, is that some of them actually believe they have this ability. They have the ability of, of mediumship and psychic ability, but they don't. They're just cold reading. And I won't go into cold reading, because I could go on for hours about that. Look it up. It's, you could do it easily. If you look up cold reading... I challenge you, and I would love email results. Look up cold reading, go to a friend, and do it. Really do it. You'll be surprised how easy it is. And think about someone who has done this for a decade, and they get so good at doing it. There was a woman. I'm straying. I'm just going to do it. She... Oh gosh, I cannot remember her name. She's got really short blonde hair, like a pixie haircut, and she claims that she can summon all these spirits. And she literally steps into like this cloak closet and they strap her hands to the chair and they do all this stuff and they close the doors and they turn all the lights off and everybody sings. It was very weird. I'll see I'll see if I can find the link. <laughs> it's comical and they chant and they hear voices she's speaking in these voices and they open the the doors at the end of the session and her her wrists are undone and she's free and, and it's it's the oldest parlor trick in the book literally and people still believe it and she goes on to a family and does a reading and and summons a a deceased relative and at first they're pretty impressed until they get online and see that all the information that she told them was available online so you can see how easily that that can be done so that's not possession that's just a charlatan, you know but there are cases of I guess mediumship where there's very strange occurrences, such as people writing uh, entire novels where the person who's writing it wasn't illiterate, but was not a writer, was not articulate, was not someone that would write a novel. And again, I've strayed, I'll see if I can't find links to to cases like this so my point is my very long extended airy point was that possession isn't always demonic like there are people that believe you can be possessed by uh you know a a deceased loved one or even angels so there's that opposite effect of it and i find the whole thing very fascinating and maybe there's something to it i i I'm not going to say there isn't. Um, My personal belief is that there is good and there is evil. And I'm not talking about things that we kind of argue about what's right and what's wrong. I'm talking about good and evil and on a spiritual level I I believe that there are forces. There are good forces. There are evil forces. And I don't know how to reconcile that spiritually. Uh, you know, it's it's easy for some folks that believe in a faith, in a certain religion. Um, you know, I'm here in the United States. I kind of subscribe to the, the, the Christian faith. I'm not a practicing Christian, but... Um, I, you know, I have a lot of questions, you know, we could do a, a whole episode on the mysteries of every religion out there, and we would still never find answers, <laughs> because uh, it that's, I guess, the nature of the beast, so to speak. But now that I've strayed far, far away from the original topic of possession and what we know it to be or think it to be demonic possession let's go into a couple cases of what they say are actual demonic possessions so one of the most popular stories that's out there is the story of annalise michels or michels i'm not quite sure how to pronounce her last name Uh, and there was a 2005 film the exorcism of emily rose I never saw it, but I remember seeing the trailer, was based off of her story. She was a young German woman, and here's the kicker, from a young age, she struggled with mental illness. She was diagnosed with epileptic psychosis, and she experienced depression, visual and auditorial hallucinations, uh, and she was hospitalized numerous times for all of these, And as time went on, the symptoms only got worse. Uh, And one of the symptoms... And you have to remember, there's a mental illness here. And one of her symptoms, unfortunately, was this aversion to religious symbols. And so, of course, her very religious family then begins to assume or believe, perhaps, that she is possessed, as does Annalise, because she is brought up in this Catholic family that, that are believers in possession. So she's believing, because she's had no counseling, no therapy, nothing, she believes, too, that she's probably possessed on a demonic level. Of some kind and at age 22 she underwent 10 months of catholic exorcisms 70 exorcisms were performed they were in secret under the order of the church in 1976 she passed away an autopsy showed that her death was the result of emaciation, malnutrition, and starvation because her priests and her family, during the exorcisms, they refused medical assistance. So, as it turns out, after an investigation was done, the family and the priests involved were all charged with negligent homicide and were found guilty of manslaughter, and they served time, as they should have. This is a great example of why what Father DeMeo is doing is so immensely important. Because this happened in the late 70s, and present day there there were some cases that I uh, of exorcisms that were more um because I was trying to find similar beliefs in other religions and you know you rabbit hole into many things and there there are small cults that pop up all the time everywhere and some fizzle out most fizzle out pretty quickly but there were some where exorcisms occurred and it was very similar to this case, but way more violent and, and horrifying. And so, it's, it, it's very important to distinguish between mental illness and actual possession. Not to overkill the point. But, I think this was a case of mental illness gone very, very, very wrong. And so, it, you know, it shows that it does happen. So another case uh, is that of Anna Eklund. And this one, this one seems to be um, maybe an actual case. And this begins in 1912. And that's the only thing is that it, it was so long ago that I feel like so much information is lost. And the information that we do have is based on... Uh, knowledge that we had of psychology in 1912. So Anna Eklund, at the age of 14, started to display this sort of revulsion of anything religious, any sort of holy object, sacred spaces like churches, and it just became increasingly egregious. And so her first exorcism session was performed in 1912. The same year it began, and it was successful for a while. However, she would be possessed again by what they say is even more demons. Because apparently more than one demon can possess you. In 1928, her second exorcism, there was three sessions... And they were held in a convent in Erling, Iowa. And apparently it was a very grueling three sessions, and it resulted in the deterioration of her body. Uh, They say the demons were eventually exorcised, and Eklund went on to live her life. And she apparently had what was referred to as More other milder possessions, but went on to live a relatively normal life. So, I don't know what a more mild possession is. I mean, these are these articles are kind of vague, but I find it interesting. Uh, pretty fascinating because that one seems to be there's something to it because she was so young when it began, she was 14 years old. And it was very focused on religion, holy spaces, religious uh, symbols and relics, things of that nature. So there was, it was very religious focused. And so there was, I feel like there was definitely something there. So the last case I'll talk about, uh, because I I feel like it's pretty relevant, is that of Roland Doe. And Roland Doe, uh, he, he was 13 years old when his his aunt passed away and he turned to a Ouija board to try and communicate with her after her passing. They say that's when he invited accidentally, unintentionally, this strange presence into his life. And it is said that his, his family started to notice weird things occurring around him, such as odd noises, even furniture moving by himself, and probably most strangely, objects levitating when he was around. So they reached out to their Lutheran pastor who started to come around and observe his behavior. And this Lutheran pastor decided that Roland should see a Catholic priest, which he did. And the exorcisms began. The boy slashed the priest's arm with a bedspring. spring, uh, started lashing out as soon as this Catholic priest comes around. So Catholicism is coming into play here again. And so the family moves then to St. Louis, and they saw three more priests. And with the permission of the archbishop, they carried out thirty more exorcisms on Roland, uh, and he was in the psychiatric wing of of the city hospital. But weird things occurred. There were there were words written on his skin. He spoke in these again these these deep demonic voices, and again this extreme superhuman strength were witnessed. Um, it's, it's very, very strange, but eventually he is freed from all, all these demons and in, in these possessions. And when he came out of it, he had zero memory of any of it. No recollection of any of these occurrences. Now, what's interesting about the Roland Doe case is that this is the case that the movie, the book rather, and then the movie, The Exorcist is based off of. And this is a great illustration of how Hollywood changes things because the main character, the possessed character in the film, The Exorcist, is a young girl. And there's all these crazy uh, occurrences, the head spinning around, The we've all seen it. Not at all what this case was. Some similarities, but not near the dramatic... Uh, case of possession that actually occurred. And there you have it. Possession, to me, is real. Something's happening, which is what I often say with these podcasts, is something is happening, or he wouldn't be talking about it. It wouldn't be debated. It wouldn't be argued about. Something's happening, so let's figure it out. Whether it's demonic possession. I think evil forces exist, as I said earlier. Or whether it's psychological. But something's occurring. And I I find it fascinating. And hey, that's all I've got for this one. Thanks for sticking around. Tune in next week. We're going to be talking about curses. Kind of related to this in a... In a similar way as far as belief again that comes into play I'm almost getting tired of saying the word (laughs) gonna be talking about curses Uh, there's a lot of history behind curses there's a lot of belief behind curses so come on back next week and we'll talk about curses thank you so much for joining me I really appreciate it and let me know your thoughts uh, on these topics, and if you have any topic suggestions, I would love to hear them. Podcast, J-A-T at gmail.com Thanks again, and as always, be well.